Welcome back to The Restless Show. I'm Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined Lauren, Diane, and Javier as we, together, we try to seek God in the midst of this crazy mixed-up world as young adults living in the world today. And you know, I think one of the challenges of living in the world today is sometimes struggling and wrestling with faith. You know, faith is, doesn't always come easy to us, especially in a world that's hostile, and maybe you've even struggled with your faith. So I'm kind of curious, uh, from all of your perspectives, have you ever struggled to believe maybe either in the entirety of the Catholic faith in general or maybe a specific teaching of the Catholic faith? Have you ever kind of wrestled with that? Because I know um, you've, you've wrestled quite a bit. No, no, for sure. I, I mean, you guys have heard my testimony. I, uh, I definitely, when it comes to the, the Catholic faith as a whole, I, I, I wrestled with it um, quite a bit when I was... Um, Right out, right out of college, I would say. In college, I was still going to mass, and that's when I also started going to Christian service and on on Tuesday nights. And but I was having trouble, kind of, you know, getting an explanation of everything that we do in the Catholic Church biblically. But so, who invited you to this this Christian service, and and what was it that drew you to go to that? So it was a it was a group of friends uh, that I, I a group of a group of people that I befriended when I was a junior in college and uh, what drew me to go to it or to continue to go to it was the preaching the preaching was uh, geared directly towards kids in college and it was uh, very very convicting <laughs> very convicting I mean calling people out exactly for what they were doing and not not in a not in a negative way but more in a you know, hey, Jesus loves you, and he, this is what he did for you, and this is what you're doing as a college student. You're getting drunk, you're having sex outside of marriage, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing drugs, and um, and this is what you're not supposed to do, and this is what the Lord wants you to do. And so teaching from what, how Jesus lived his life, and but really calling you out for the things that you were doing, and not everything applied to everybody, but you could tell that, you know, people were in tears and stuff, and... Um, so you didn't find that kind of preaching in the Catholic Church? I did not. Maybe I was never blessed to be in a parish that actually had a young adult, you know, um, like a, what, what do you call it, like a young adult pastor like or something? Minister, yeah. And because uh, I think if that was the case, if, if mo- more parishes actually had a young adult pastor, they could cater their homilies towards that. But I didn't even realize, I didn't even know what the Mass was all about and things, <laughs> things just... They, they seem so much different now. Well, there's definitely been probably decades of fluff preached from the pulpit. You've probably heard homilies that are just, God loves you. Let's go let off some balloons or something like that. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, growing up, I think when I was in high school, my family and I went to a, a parish every now and then, and the priest would literally get up there and say about 10 words, and then he would sit back down, and that just bothered me so much. And I hadn't even experienced the Christian church at all, uh, the non-denominational church at, at all. And that bothered me. I was like, oh, come on, there's so much more you could say about this. Like, if you read the readings and stuff. And <laughs> I remember growing up, there was a priest at my parish, um, there was a since deceased, and he used to say in every homily, the first question God's going to ask you when you get to heaven is, did you have a good time? 
Really? That was yeah. That wow. was his, his theme. And it seems like the wrong thing. And right? I'll, well, I'll never forget what my dad said on the way out of mass. He shook the priest's hand and he said, "You know, I think the first question God's not going to ask you is, did you have a good time? But how much good did you do in your time?" Yeah. And I never forgot that response. Like, wow, that's that's good. That is good. Yeah, for sure. So, so when you were in college, then you were wrestling with your faith. Was there any like specific things you were kind of just like, I don't really know if I believe this about the Catholic faith? Yeah. I think I started wrestling a lot with um, having a devotion towards the saints and having a devotion towards Mary. Uh, I think I I never stopped believing in the presence in the Eucharist because I, you know, I stopped going to confessions, but I wouldn't I wouldn't receive communion, and that was like a true fear of that is the Lord in you know in body, soul, and divinity, and um, I can't receive Him because I'm not in a state of grace. But then I stopped kind of believing in the need to be in that state of grace as well. I mean, like, I I think about it now, and I want to go to confession every week. Because it's not just because I fall out of a state of grace. Just because I think the more and more we confess our sins, um, either to a priest or, or even to ourselves, to each other, to two or three friends that, you, that you're walking with, the more, you know, you're bringing it out to light, and the more you're, you know, you're gonna stop sinning and stuff and that that's that's the goal I mean to to not become habitual sinners to not continue to uh, live a sin sinful life yeah so Diane and Lauren have you guys uh, faced struggles or difficulties in your faith I think for me I mean Javi was pointing on it I think it was a little difficult um I mean I grew up Catholic and going to mass every Sunday and, and everything but you know, I always, I, I guess when I got to college, I started to wonder, like, okay, well, why do we believe these things? And, like, how do we know this is true? So, for me, like, the, the true presence in the Eucharist was something that I didn't doubt, but I wanted to, I didn't want someone to just say, he's there, you know? Like, that wasn't a good enough answer for me. And so, I think that that, you know, some of those doubts kind of just led me to do my own sort of research and... I mean, specifically, just I listened to this podcast by uh, Dr. Brant Petrie on the Jewish roots of the Eucharist, and that was just mind-blowing of, you know, how the Passover, the new Passover, like the new Exodus, the new manna, the bread of the presence, like it all, all of a sudden, like all of these, you know, connections made sense, and it made sense what it was. I guess understanding what the Bible was saying and Eucharistic miracles and everything kind of in culmination together. Um, but it took it took me sort of like going out and, you know, because you don't really learn those things in CCD or anything like mm-hmm. that. And I think if you want to have a strong faith, you really need to like, it, it's not that these, I think we all have questions. And one of the things that I learned was that um, sometimes when we have doubts, it's not that the, the answer or the question has normally been wrestled with already. It's just that, like, our capacity for, you know, we haven't sort of done the research or looked into it. Right. Um, so it's 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 one of those things that I take comfort in now that, like, these questions that we have have been vetted and the answers are there. You just have to go and find them. And I do think that it helps to make your faith stronger. Because now when I receive the Eucharist, I'm like, wow. You know, when I listened to that podcast, I was just amazed. Um, so it's it's a matter of really just digging in. 
Yeah, you'd think in 2,000 years, pretty much all the questions have been raised. Yeah, exactly. You know, the thing you're struggling with is not the first time in history people have struggled with that. Yeah, and that would be, like, my piece of advice for everyone. Like, if you're struggling with something that, you know, most likely this has been vetted many times and by many, you know, like, doctors of the church. I mean, these people were brilliant, so it's just a matter of finding, finding the answer. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. So would it be wrong to tell someone, oh, you're just ignorant? <laughs> if, they, if they come to you with something, right, and you don't know the answer to it, because that's the truth, right? Like, they just don't know. And I mean, and for in my case, if it's me, I think, um, like Diane, I've definitely started to dive in more, especially much more recently, just uh, absorbing knowledge through podcasts, um, like she mentioned, uh, which has really helped me and fulfilled me. But then... I'll encounter someone and I can't, you know, bring it to mind or I can't articulate it well enough for them to understand, which is kind of why I made that little comment. Like, I can't get this into your head the way it's in mine, but I also have a lifetime of my faith that's helped me to understand. Do you mm. know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's like, well, you're actually just ignorant and <laughs> a little research will help, like looking to scholars, right? And theologians, because the answers are all there, as you guys all mentioned. Yeah, it is true that the answers are there and it, it, it that's that always kind of keeps me humble when I struggle with something in my faith is that you know what people a lot smarter than me have already wrestled with it and they've come to the, a happy conclusion mm -hmm. you know so who am I yeah hmm. you know like I remember not too long ago I was sitting around a bonfire with uh, a friend who was raised Catholic and then has since left the church and gotten involved in all kinds of weird ideas and he was saying to me you know Father Joe I think that uh, I think Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was like where do you get your information I don't know I just you know saw it on youtube one time <laughs> like, yeah that's no that's not true <laughs> i think a lot of those questions uh there's there's two people that i gravitate to a lot um, whenever i want to like the, when it comes to catholic apologetics and i i gravitate to them because they were protestant preachers and so <laughs> i always thought i was like if you were a protestant preacher and you actually converted to catholicism and you're big in the catholic world you have to have you didn't lose your protestant friends you know you you still you still had an encounter with them and they obviously asked you these questions and so scott hahn and jeff cavins are two people that i gravitate to a lot when i want to you know know the the biblical answers to the true presence in the eucharist uh, who is mary how is she the new eve because a lot of people in the protestant world they they think of jesus as the new adam but they never, they could never make the connection of Mary being the new Eve. And Scott Hahn lays it out beautifully in an interview that he does with Australian guy. Matt Fraud? Matt Fraud. Matt yeah. Fraud. <laughs> an interview that Matt Fraud does with him, and he lays it out beautifully. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm on a foreign, forewarn you, you're probably going to have to watch that interview and pause it and take notes and slow it down because when Scott Hahn when when the holy spirit starts speaking through him it's it's pretty tough to understand him so you, you really kind <laughs> well, of like pause it and slow it down but the good news it, is scott hahn wrote a book about that called oh, Hail, yes. Hail holy queen so you can Hail just read holy the book queen, yes <laughs> you can underline and highlight yeah but for the people that are not readers uh, you could just that's true. listen to a couple that's of true. his interviews and he'll blow your mind like he's his knowledge of it because he had to be able to explain it i mean to his friends that were preachers and stuff and it's not just people that had very little knowledge of the bible people that had a huge knowledge of the bible and he had to be able to yeah 
you know, be unapologetic to the yeah. Catholic faith. So I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville for my undergrad where Scott Hahn teaches. And yes. he only teaches graduate level courses, unfortunately. So I didn't get to register for one of his courses. But there was one time when uh, my professor was absent. And so Dr. Hahn substituted. I had never taken more notes in a 45 minute <laughs> lecture. I had like five pages of notes just scribbling furiously. I mean, like, oh my gosh, it was such good stuff. And, He's amazing. But it was also very surreal to be at the sign of peace at Mass. You know, peace be with you. I turn around. Oh, Scott Hahn's right behind me. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty crazy. So, uh, so do you think it's okay to question your faith, to kind of wrestle with this stuff? Absolutely. Yes. I think it causes you to go deeper. I mean, if, you, if you're not just going to stop there and say, I give up, you know, like this is not true. You know, there's, it's, it's sort of what we we're talking about before, humility of understanding that there are people who are like Scott Hahn and Dr. Brant Petrie who know this stuff. I mean, they're just so gifted and, you know, like I'm speaking for myself of like the true presence in the Eucharist. Just listening to Dr. Brant Petrie, I probably listened to that podcast like 10 times. I was blown away and I think that my faith is so much stronger um and I'm so grateful that I had those doubts and all the doubts that I've had about the faith of just like the resurrection like how do we know that really happened and all of those things because I just sort of dove into study of okay how do we know this happened why do we believe this and it just helps to there's so many things that we don't know and once you sort of I guess, like, open your mind to to studying it, I think that your faith is a lot stronger. But Diane, I like what you said, though, about coming at it from humility. Yes. You know, because I, I know some people that doubt their faith, not out of humility, but almost out of, a, like, I know better. Out of pride, yeah. Out of pride, you know. Yeah. Yeah, humility is, is super important. I think that, like, our faith is just every... It, I mean, it is a mystery, and there are some things that we're never going to understand, so I think that we have to just be okay with that but also know that like you know these things are rational and there are a lot of people that are smarter than us out there who have studied this and dedicated their lives to it so yeah. and i also think we have to be humble enough to realize that we still have doubts and we don't even mm -hmm. realize it all the time like sometimes you think about like you know i'm gonna do all these sacrifices or i'm gonna do all this fasting for this person that's sick but then you fail to do it sometimes because there's a lack of faith in that. And that happens to me sometimes. I'm like, I'm going to do all this fasting. I'm going to do all these things for this person that's dying right now. Because I do have, you know, the faith that the Lord can do anything. If he wills it, he can do it. Because I've read the stories and I've read everything in the Bible and stuff. But then I fail to do it because there's, there's always a sp small part of me that's like, is he really going to save her? Is she just meant to die? You know, like, is this really, yeah. maybe her path is just to, and then it's that You're lack prepared. of faith, too, of she's going to a better place if she has a relationship with the Lord. So she's going to be closer, whether she goes to purgatory or not, she's going to be one step closer to be with the Lord. So why, you know, why are we being sad right now? You know, that's also a lack of faith in a sense, because we're always sad when somebody dies because we miss them and everything. But, you know, if we had the faith of like, you know, the... Jacinta or Francisco that, you know, the little shepherds who the Virgin uh, appear to, you know, they wanted to die. They wanted to go straight to heaven. They, they did not want to be in this world any longer. And they didn't care if they were going to miss their parents or whomever. I mean, they just wanted to die. They just wanted to go to heaven. And I don't have that faith. And I, I'm humble enough to recognize that, that if a family member gets sick, even if they have a strong relationship with the Lord, I'm going to be very sad. 
in that moment and I'm not there yet and I want to be there I always think about that I always think about man I wish I was at a spot where I could meet somebody that was in a very strong relationship with the Lord and be like they're ready they're good they they're, they're much better if they actually live this world yeah and we're going to come back and talk more about faith how we can strengthen our faith and uh, continue to grow in it stay tuned and welcome back to Restless. You've joined Javier, Diane, and Lauren as today we wrestle with our faith. And faith can sometimes be almost a wrestling match, you know. And right before the break, Javier was kind of talking about kind of that faith in Christ, you know, having how much do you really believe? And, and if you really believed, would it make a deeper impact in your life? So I want to ask you guys this question. Is faith a gift from God or is it a choice that we make? What do you think, Lauren? I think it's both. I think it's definitely our choice because as Diane was touching on earlier, we don't have the answers to everything and we never will. And I also like how the Catholic uh, faith puts it, like the mystery of the mass, right? The mystery of the resurrection. Like we're acknowledging within our own faith that we don't have all the answers Mm. and we're okay with that, right? We can't have all the answers. So uh, it's a choice in that sense, right? Like you're accepting that you don't know it all but you're choosing it nonetheless and then at the same time i also think it's a gift right like uh it's grace from god to have this desire to have this understanding to have this relationship with him to have a heart that seeks him right that all comes from him so i I do see that as a gift as well but i don't know what i would say then to people that feel like they don't have it yeah i mean because i i know that god is always seeking us right constantly like he's constantly trying to get our attention or I think reveal himself to us even maybe in very small ways and we're just uh, like oblivious you know like Mm. so you have to be open to it right you it's it's this give and take kind of a thing but he is always there he's always wanting us he always loves each every single person as his son or daughter and I think uh, you know too many of us forget that or we think we're not important to him and then maybe that just makes it easier to kind of fall away, you know? Yeah. That's so true that like God often shows up in the small things. Like if you ever asked God for a sign, you guys are nodding. Diane so, has. Because it's hard I, to see I nodding when I, you're on the radio. I, I, has. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't asked for a sign. No? No. So Diane, you asked for a sign. What, did, you, did you get it? Yes. I mean, I've asked multiple times. So yes and no. But okay. yes, okay. definitely I have. Has that strengthened your faith? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes it's like lightning from the sky, <laughs> you know. Um. <laughs> That's awesome. But I think I think what Lauren, I think what what you were so right on, Lauren, is that sometimes it's a lot more subtle. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, just like seeing the beauty of nature is knowing God's existence. Mm-hmm. I've ne- I could never doubt it when I look from the top of a beautiful mountain and just see this you know, rolling hills. You're like, wow, God must exist. It's not an intellectual argument, you know, but for me, it's pretty powerful. But I think too, like to Lauren's point. You know, you do, and it's harder for people, obviously, who, who don't have faith and aren't, you know, in church and praying, but you do have to pray for an increase in faith. Mm. You know, it is a supernatural virtue. And I think that, like, in the past, too, like, when I've struggled with things like the real presence in the Eucharist and everything, I just, I pray for increase in faith, hope, and love. And I honestly feel like that prayer is always answered. I feel like those prayers where, you know, we're not treating God like a vending machine, but we're asking for things that are ultimately, like, for the good of our salvation, he's always going to grant. And I know that the Bible says that. So I have like 100% confidence that he does. And I have felt that in my life of like, 
when you, you know, because I think we, we often try, you know, to like, oh, I just want to believe more. I'm going to try harder and like study harder and everything. But sometimes we just need God's grace and like, you know, the mm. movement of the Holy Spirit kind of helps us to get to where we need to be. So like in my own life, I know that I try to do things all the time, often on my own. And then it's like I put in so much effort. And then if I had just gone to God in the first place, it would have been like he just wants it to be easy. So I'm not saying it's always going to be easy, but he definitely spends his Holy Spirit to help us. Yeah, that's certainly true. Yeah, and to answer your question, I, I, I always, in my daily prayers, I always give thanks to the Lord for the gift of faith because I do see it as a gift. Uh, there's nothing nothing I did in my life, but ever since I can remember, I don't, re- I don't really remember a time in my life when I didn't believe in the Lord to a certain degree. I mean, I always believed in him. Whether I followed his commandments or not, I always believed in him when, ever since I was a little kid. That is and I did gift. nothing. I did absolutely nothing. And I think about people that are born in different parts of the world where the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is not spoken from the time they're born uh, because, you know, they, they grow up in Muslim countries or something. And if, if, his, if his name is spoken, then it's spoken in a completely negative way. And so I'm just, you know... But it can become a choice, you know. You can choose at a certain point of your life to not, to not believe or to not follow, for to not follow him, and that's where I think like that the choice comes in. It's like some people just choose like I, I believe in the Lord, I believe in Jesus, but I, I'm just gonna choose to kind of live my life the way that I want to live my life, anyways. Yeah. I know he's real, but I'm just gonna still choose to live my life the way I want to live my life. You're right that the faith is such a gift. You know, I was reading an interesting statistic that blew my mind that during the month of October of 2020, there were more people that died of suicide in Japan than had died of COVID in Japan the entire time that COVID was in existence. I saw that statistic too. And I was like, whoa. And a big part of that is Japan's one of the more secular countries, you know, in in the East. and, And the name of Jesus is not spoken over there. And if these people had faith in God, would they have killed themselves or would they have found a deeper meaning to the psychological pain, the lockdown, the suffering, whatever they were going through, you know? I don't know. I just, I think it is a gift to believe in Jesus. Yeah. And then I saw too, that article said, you know, the government has acknowledged they've got to put more resources to these suicide hotlines and things like that. And I'm just like, that's not the root of your issue, Yeah, (laughs) you know? And like, I I didn't even really know it's not a secular country. I've heard about uh, like severe loneliness in the elderly. Mm. And uh, even that they'll commit crimes to go to prison because then at least they're around people instead of being alone. Really? It's, how hmm. terribly sad is that? That you is know? terribly sad. Yeah. And the Christian ethos would be one of take care of the elderly and right. the dignity of human beings, which may not be present in the Japanese culture in the same way it is in the Christian culture. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, if faith is a gift and a choice, then there's ways in which I, I believe faith is a living thing and with living things you can feed it and it grows mm-hmm. just like you know you can choose more deeply and you can ask for more of that gift and if you don't feed it it'll starve and die you know so what are the ways in which you've kind of fed your faith and when you've had these difficulties these doubts like what are some resources that you turn to immediately kind of to help your faith grow I mean for me I love to read and I listen to a lot of Catholic podcasts so just honestly like people like dr scott Hahn we were talking about before dr brent petrie um these brilliant minds who can kind of explain things dr brent petrie too like he i realized that like in sort of my struggle with believing in the 
real presence like i need to understand the old testament better right so there's tons of courses on bible studies and things of going through sort of connecting the old to the new dr brampucci has a great book it's called like a catholic introduction to the bible it's like you know it's huge um but it goes through you know all of the books and everything and it's kind of like a everything you need to know at a high level but a detailed level as well so there's there's plenty of books there's there's tons of books by you know saints and as well too that have kind of like struggled with the things that we're struggling with yeah i remember a story from the life of i think of saint Teresa of avila who was having such severe doubts and and uh, difficulties in her faith that she pricked her finger and wrote out the apostles creed in her own blood Wow. I don't recommend that to any of our listeners, but <laughs> she's but one of my favorite saints. She is, yeah. She's she was a tough cookie, I'll tell you. <laughs> but yeah, the example of the saints, I think, can strengthen us. Javier, I sometimes, even though I love to study the Bible and everything, I sometimes look at the Bible as this book that can't can't have all the answers. But then, as Diane was saying, like when you listen to people that have really spent their lives studying the Bible you realize that all the answers are there. You just, you have not taken the time, or maybe you don't have the time because that's not your job um, to study the Bible as much as you could, you know, or as much as you should. But she's talking about all these connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how um, that that's the explanation to a lot of the things that we have in our Catholic faith. And uh, we just, I don't think for me that I work a, a, a job where I have to be in the office at 7.30, in the morning and I'd have to be there at uh, until 6 p.m. and sometimes work weekends and stuff. I don't have enough time to actually sit down and study the things that I need to study. And maybe I should just quit my job and do something else. <laughs> um, but because, um, I mean, wh what's more important in life, and especially in the season of Advent, this season of preparation, and sometimes the seasons between Advent and Lent, I mean, they they make you realize, like, what's really more most important in your life. And sometimes I think, like, man, I don't know how much longer I can do this job because it's not allowing me to, to focus on the things that I need to focus on, to focus on the things that are going to be really important for eternity, not for the dot, not for this life and this earth. But you do have resources. You do have people like Scott Hahn that you can literally sit down and read his book or you can literally sit down and listen to his podcasts and they'll explain everything to you yeah. in a way that's going to make sense. And I want to add too, in addition to the Bible, read the Catechism. It's actually, it's, I think it's a pretty accessible resource. I'll never forget, I was teaching an eighth grade class one time, and uh, at the end of the entire year, I said, all right, guys, ask whatever question you want. And they all wrote it down on a piece of paper, and almost every one was, well, why does the church hate gay people? That was kind of their, that was their question on everyone's mind. And I said, well, first of all, the church does not hate anyone. The church welcomes everybody into its fold, including those who struggle with same-sex attraction, and Jesus loves them too. So where'd you get this information that the church hates anybody? Instagram, Twitter, you know, they're just naming all these social media and that's where they got their formation. Hmm. And I think it was, I think it was Archbishop Fulton Sheen that said the only less than a hundred people hate the church for what it really is, but tens of thousands hate the church for what they think the church is, mm -hmm. you know? So, so a great way to feed your faith is to actually go to the horse's mouth as it were. And like, what does the church have to say about this issue, this hot button issue, this controversial topic, you know, go and see what the riches of the church are. Because if you only hear it from CNN, and that's where you get your formation about right. what the church says, you're not getting accurate formation. Hmm. You know, 
And it's important too, even if you don't have doubts, to do that sort of thing because I know that, like, in terms of evangelization and just trying to talk about these things with people that we work with and our friends and our family members who might not be practicing the faith, it is very important to kind of like be always ready to give an account, right? And so we need to understand and be able to explain things. You know, we don't necessarily could always tell them, you know, get back to you or, or have a resource, you know, that you could recommend, but it is important for us to be able to articulate these things and that's sort of like one of the things I've been working on in terms of like reading apologetics as well because I'm like I know these things but like if people were to ask me you know point blank I like I don't know if I can articulate them the ways that the way that I should and the way that would help them like like if Scott Hahn were talking to me you know (laughs) I don't think (laughs) channel your inner Scott Hahn (laughs) yeah but I was like oh you know have you ever had someone challenge you on your faith I don't know about challenge, but I certainly encounter people all the time that have no faith and then we'll get into some conversation and they bring something up like, well, the earth isn't 6,000 years old or evolution totally happened or, you know, the Big Bang Theory or um, what the heck is purgatory? That's not real. Why do you have to go to confession? You can confess your sins on your own. Uh, Homosexuality, as you brought up, like how could, you know, someone not be allowed to marry because they're born a certain way, you know, like it's it's constant i would say yeah Yeah, and i think a lot of people have already dismissed like you know i don't necessarily have arguments with people but i i talk to people who i know have no faith and they have no faith because they've basically they've taken these issues and they've said okay well this is what the church teaches and it's completely wrong because it's not what the church teaches but they're like and i don't want anything to do with that and i'm done and i'm not going to go any further and i'm not going to verify anything Mm -hmm. and i just don't care that's the devil winning yes and i think that's the majority of people and i think that's that's what the humility key is all about Mm -hmm. Mm because we have to be humble enough to be taught by the church yep to say that we don't know have all the answers and the church might have some wisdom yeah and to be open to the truth because i mean someone like scott hahn too i mean that was really hard for him to convert to catholicism he that was the last thing he wanted to do but he was open to the truth it's always a cost to follow the truth Mm -hmm. thanks so much for joining us on this episode of restless i just want to lay a couple challenges at you first of all to never stop learning about your faith if you're wrestling if you're doubting if you're having difficulties don't give up Keep seeking and seek in the scriptures, seek in the catechism, seek from the wisdom of the saints and some of the great doctors of the church and pray for the gift of faith. Pray that it may increase because it is indeed a gift from God. Thanks so much for joining us on 1350 AM Veritas Catholic Radio and also wherever you get your podcasts. Hope to tune in next time.